From WUWM, Milwaukee's NPR, this is Capital Notes, a podcast about Wisconsin politics and politicians. I'm Marty Michelson. Each week, I discuss noteworthy developments with J.R. Ross, editor of WISPolitics.com. Here's our latest conversation. Hey, J.R., new Governor Tony Evers got some help late last week. A coalition of liberal-leaning groups filed a lawsuit, which, if successful, would benefit him. The suit seeks to overturn the laws Republican lawmakers approved last month that limit the Democratic governor's powers. The suit argues that GOP lawmakers illegally convened the lame duck session according to a joint rule, which doesn't have the force of law. Evers and other Democrats have blasted the lame duck bills, yet Evers predicted that outside groups would be the first to bring a lawsuit. How do you think this will play out? Well, I'm not a lawyer, so I always hate to predict what courts will do, but I'm sure however a Dane County judge decides in this case that somebody's going to appeal it and we'll go from there. Uh, Republicans were adamant last week and asked about the suit that did everything by the book and they're in good shape. But, you know, it's up to the courts. They will now weigh in. And I've got to tell you, in my time, when I first came to Madison to cover politics, I never imagined I'd spend so much time in a courtroom uh, covering lawsuits. But it's become kind of standard practice anymore with bills that Republicans pass that there's a challenge to them. Uh, Most have been knocked down by the courts especially the Supreme Court, which is uh, now a conservative majority. But, you know, we'll see how this one plays out. On a more conciliatory note, Governor Evers plans to sit down with Republican leaders in the Assembly and Senate this week. The meeting comes after Assembly Republicans sent Evers a letter outlining areas where they thought they could work together. This includes cutting income taxes, increased funding for public schools, and reducing the amount of money borrowed to pay for roads. Were you surprised that the GOP reached out, and do you think there's a way they can work with Evers and avoid gridlock? Well, we'll, we'll see. Uh, you know, these things, I don't want to call them minor, but they're not sources of great tension in the Capitol. So, sure, there are places that they can reach an agreement on, but on the big-ticket things, I mean, things like expanding Medicaid on taxes, you know, Robin Voss, the Assembly Speaker, has drawn some lines in the sand already and said that, no, they're not going to raise income taxes. No, they're not going to expand Medicaid with federal money. So those are priority, you know, the latter especially is a priority for Governor Evers. So where are they going to find place to compromise on the big stuff? I mean, and granted, you know, this is uh, an olive branch of bipartisanship from the same Republicans, but the real stuff, the big things, the, the heavy lifting, where are they going to find common ground there? I'm not quite sure where that's going to be just yet. One of the things Evers did in his first week in office was visit Lincoln Hills and Copper Lake, the two troubled juvenile prisons in northern Wisconsin. The the facilities have been under fire for years for how they've treated the young inmates, and an effort is underway to close them and move the juveniles to regional facilities. Former Governor Walker refused to tour Lincoln Hills and Copper Lake. What do you make of Evers' decision to do so? Well, you know, look at his, his first week in his totality. On Tuesday, he went to a health facility. On Wednesday, he was at a school. At Thursday, he was at a DMV office. And on Friday, he visited Lincoln Hills. He campaigned on um, expanding Medicaid, on protecting those with pre-existing conditions, on uh, fully funding schools, on fixing our roads, and made a promise that he was going to go visit Lincoln Hills and called what had been happening up there a failure of leadership. So he kind of checked off several boxes from the campaign in these stops so they, they carry some symbolism you know, about the priorities he's going to have as governor and how he's going to govern. 
In another development, the first fundraising numbers in the race for state Supreme Court have been released. The race pits two state appeals court judges against one another. The records show Chief Judge Lisa Neubauer raised about 325000 in the past six months. Judge Brian Hagedorn raised 310000 the two are battling to replace retiring Justice Shirley Abrahamson. Liberals are banking Neubauer, while conservatives support Hagedorn. Based on these numbers, how would you assess the race so far, and what might we see in the days leading up to the April 2nd election? Well, I'd like to see the full report so I can break down just where the money came from. Um, for example, Judge Neubauer, uh, back in July, she reported that she raised... Um, $350,000, I think it was, so roughly. Um, but of that, like two hundred fifty grand came from her own pocket. So I was told that Neubauer didn't put any more personal money into this uh, fundraising period. I didn't see any loans from Hagedorn on the cover sheet that I saw of his report, but I don't have the full report to know, you know, was this fundraising driven by small-dollar donors or 10, 30 people giving 10000 bucks a piece? You know, it's details like that that help fill out their operations so far and how they're, they're shaping up. So want to see those numbers. But that said, the money they pulled in so far suggests this is going to be an expensive race. And there's a good reason why. Um, right now, conservatives have a 4-3 majority in the Supreme Court. Uh, liberal Justice Shirley Abramson is the one retiring, so they're vying for her seat. If liberals can hold on to this seat, then 2020 becomes all for the control of the court because Daniel Kelly, who was appointed to the bench by Governor Scott Walker, he's up to, for a full 10-year term. It'd be all about that race to who controls the court. So this is a very important one to set that stage for 2020. If, we're, if you're a conservative, you want to win this seat to give you back to a 5-2 majority and give you breathing room for that Kelly race, particularly because Kelly will face voters the same day that um, as a presidential primary in Wisconsin. And right now, we look like we have a spirited Democratic primary. If there isn't one on the Republican side, then you would think it should favor a progressive candidate because you have more Democrats turning out. <laughs> for that primary because of the presidential race. It makes it very difficult to win statewide when you're facing that kind of a, a turnout from the other side. On a related note, it looks like one of the first bills that lawmakers will debate this month is whether to include crime victims' rights in the Wisconsin Constitution. The measure has been commonly referred to as Marcy's Law. The bill passed both houses of the legislature last session, and Republican leaders have indicated they want to get it through both houses again as soon as possible, that would allow it to be placed on ballots in a binding referendum in April. Do you think Republicans are eager to get this measure approved because they hope it'll drive up turnout among conservative voters in the state Supreme Court race? Um, I don't know if that's the, if that's, I don't, I don't, I don't know if it really doesn't make an impact on on turnout because it seems like it's a bipartisan bill, it has bipartisan sponsors, you got bipartisan votes, so I'm not sure that it's really something that's you know a driver. Of turnout come April, but you know we'll see. I mean that might be part of the reason why they want the April ballot, but I've not seen it talked about that way yet, nor have I seen it really become a partisan fight in the Capitol. At the same time, Republican lawmakers are asking a federal court to delay a gerrymandering trial. This involves the maps that GOP lawmakers approved after the 2010 census giving Republicans running for Assembly and Senate an advantage. The trial is scheduled for April, but GOP lawmakers want to postpone it until after the U.S. Supreme Court rules in a pair of other gerrymandering cases. The court says it will hear arguments in cases in North Carolina and Maryland in March. Attorneys for the state assembly say it would be a waste of time and resources to proceed 
if the Supreme Court issues rulings that could affect the Wisconsin case. What do you think will happen here? I'm not a lawyer, so I hate predicting what a judge is going to do. But the, the argument they're making essentially is these are a lot of the same territory. So why not wait for the court, the Supreme Court, set up precedents before going forward on this one? So you know, last time they took this court case, the US, state U.S. Supreme Court, about the Wisconsin lies, lines, the court sent it back to lower courts for more proceedings because they ruled there wasn't standing to the people who sued. So we're back to the same arguments. It's just a little different uh, iteration of this lawsuit. I just don't know what this U.S. Supreme Court's going to do on these kind of cases in general. Um, the thought was kind of that once Justice Kennedy was replaced by Justice Gorsuch, that, <coughs> sorry, or Judge Kavanaugh, sorry, that there would be less likely of a, a chance for those who would say this is our legal partisan gerrymanders to win because, you know, Kennedy seemed to be open at least to that argument. But now that he's been replaced, it's, it's harder to see them with the path to a win in that court. But we'll see. And finally, Governor Evers and Democratic Attorney General Josh Call signaled support last week for a so-called red flag law in Wisconsin. It would allow judges to take away firearms from people determined to be a threat to themselves or others. Evers says he would support such a law if there's documentation to prove that, quote, somebody is incapable of owning and using a firearm. Assembly Speaker Robin Boss says he's open to the idea, too, but voiced concerned concern about the scope being too broad. Do you think this is going anywhere? That's a good question. We haven't heard much from the state Senate yet. And one of the big questions is whether everybody can get on the same page about what this would look like. Um, We've talked a lot about mental health in Wisconsin the last few years. There were a number of task force set up, bills talked about. And now we're talking about the confluence of that and gun rights. And the concerns that Speaker Voss are raising include, you know, violating somebody's constitutional uh, rights to have a right to carry and bear arms. So where is that line? How would this impact that? Would it impact it? Is, is there a way it could be done that would make everybody happy at that? I don't know. And that will be determined as they move forward in the process. That's WISPolitics.com editor J.R. Ross. You can join us each week for our conversations. And if you haven't done so already, subscribe to Capital Notes on iTunes, NPR One, or wherever you get your podcasts.